Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, we're back, everybody. How's it going? Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, August 24th. It's just moments away. But before we get into it, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. <laughs> Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors. <laughs> the Chicago Teachers Union. <laughs> and of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show brought to you by chicagoreader.com. Where to go, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. chicagoreader.com. Subscribe. And if you want to help out this program, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. You can become a binhead. And I tested... Very positively in a uh, in another sense. So yeah. this morning, yeah, I okay, tested yeah. positively toward negative, right? Oh, so right, right. no, I tested uh, perfectly this morning. Okay. Yeah. Meaning meaning I tested negative. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, we got it. Good, we got that clear, huh, D? I had a good old days with Danny was president. The Ben Jarofsky show starts now. It is Tuesday, August 24th, and live from my attic, or wait, my apartment, I'm a little rusty, <laughs> and his attic, uh, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. We will be re-editing this intro. Today on the program, friends of the park, Juanita Irizarry, and friend of the Ben Jarofsky Show, attorney Leonard Goodman. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here calling this same old world Tuesday. And here's why. I'm back. Yes, 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 I am back. Back from vacation. Good to be back. Dennis is back. By the way, while on vacation, I made a resolution not to call him Dr. D. Yes. Oh, wow. No more will I call you Dr. D. That's my new resolution. Let's see how long that lasts. Yeah, let's see so, what new names you come up with. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of which, did you have a good week, Doctor D? Oops, screwed up already. I see what's going on. Yeah, I had a great week. It was nice, very relaxing. Yeah, you know, I'm a real slave driver here in the Ben Drowski show. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Me cracking that whip. Poor Dennis oh. up all night, cutting, editing, he's working. Huge jerk, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. He's so mean. I'm so mean to the guy. It's a miracle we're still together. Anyway, I had a wonderful week. I emerged. Uh, I went into hibernation, folks. I made a proclamation. No politics. No political arguments. No newspapers. No Instagram feed. Yes, I went a week without D.L. Hewley, my beloved D.L. Hewley. No media feed whatsoever. I was just going to 
lay down on a beach and watch the clouds pass. I did emerge from time to time to watch old George Carlin clips on YouTube. The, I don't know. You what too? Got in him. <laughs> I did too. For real? It's For a big real? club and you ain't in it. Oh my God. That's the one I. That's. <laughs> what did you. This, we've been together so long, it's like he reads my mind. <laughs> if you could read my mind, love. That's unbelievable. That's the exact one I just watched. Oh, cool. Uh, not, not sure why I was watching George Carlin. Uh, I was just watching George Carlin one after another. And that I watched this epic rant that Dennis just alluded to from, I think it was 2005 to 16 years ago. And it concludes, the opening concludes with this quote. <clears throat> it's called the American dream because you have to be asleep to believe it. That's the one you were just quoting, this closing line, which is such a great line. And then somehow or other, I watched a Bill Maher clip where he's raging against being woke. So what is it? Comics? Are we supposed to be asleep or are we supposed to be awake? Come on, people. <laughs> Come on, Mar. <laughs> anyway, other than those George Carlin bits, I went into hibernation way up north in northern Michigan, Trump country, not a mask in sight. I felt like the doctor when he goes home to Alton, walks into the store without Boy, a mask. That, your your at... resolution is just gone. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, wait. Didn't I say? I, hold on. Let's just redo that. <laughs> That's my Donald Trump imitation of tape rewinding. <laughs> Uh, where was <laughs> I felt like Dennis when he goes to Alton, walking into a store without a mask. People look at me like, what rock did you crawl out from? And the good news, D, is that no one called me a pussy. Like that guy called you at that gas station in Alton way back when. Remember that when you were wearing a mask? Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, so that's progress. We've come a long way as a country in resolving our political disputes, okay? I mean, they, they were thinking it, weird. but they didn't say it. <laughs> they thought it. Well, I can't. You can't throw a guy into jail for what he thinks. Yes, indeed. I was up in Trump country and it was Trump country. Big signs on the roadways, huge Trump flags. I had a big sign that says Trump in 2024. Retake America. Make America great one more time. It's like it was great. Then it was not great. Then it was great. Now it's not great. I'm like, Okay. And really, what has changed, folks? While I was gone, the Taliban took control of Afghanistan. I was vaguely aware of it because I really was doing my best not to follow the news, but it was so depressing. I heard it. Horrific stories coming out of Afghanistan. Folks, like we didn't see this coming. 21 years of war, thousands of lives, trillions of dollars. Can you imagine all the mental health clinics we could have here in the city of Chicago, all the repaved roads and bridges, all the schools and after schools, all the health care. Nah, can't afford health care. Let's go wage a war for 21 years and see where that gets us. I hate to tell you, I told you so, folks, but I told you. In fact, every lefty told you so. Yes, in the aftermath of 9-11, when so much of the country, when everyone was just either in shock or enraged, feeling they must do something. There was a small, small group of lefties, generally the people that either listen to my show or come on to my show, those types of people who are saying, you know, guys, this won't work. This will only end up badly. 
You cannot just routinely invade other countries without paying a heavy toll. Every lefty I know back in 2001 and 2002 was quoting Marvin Gaye from What's Going On. War is not the answer. Everyone loves the song, but no one follows the message. And all the lefties were drowned out by the chorus of angry people. Afghanistan was followed by the invasion of Iraq. The folks in charge lied about pretty much everything. I don't want to go all Jimmy Dore on you, but it seems like the only time liberals care about politicians lying is when it's Donald Trump doing the lie. Now the same old generals who are lying to you, telling you we're winning a war that we weren't really winning, are on TV telling Biden what to do and saying what Biden did wrong, as, we're, as though we're supposed to really believe them this time. Anyway. Today was the day I went back to reading the newspapers. I said, you know what? Enough of this vacation. Enough of delay. I'm going to read the newspaper, get back to it, get back in the swing of things. But I decided to be totally random, D, about this. And this is a true story, folks. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to blindly open up my New York Times, home delivered. Well, there it is, guys. You see it? <laughs> and read the first thing I see, which was this. I opened it up. I, by chance, came upon page 12, and I saw this headline. Quote, COVID stalls audit report in Arizona by Michael Wines. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, welcome back indeed. COVID stalls audit report in Arizona. My first reaction is, you got to be freaking kidding me. They're still counting presidential ballots in Arizona? Folks, the election was over. Biden won. Trump lost. Here's the lead. A draft report on a much ridiculed review of the 2020 election results in Arizona's largest county has been delayed by a COVID-19 outbreak on the team preparing the analysis. The Republican president of the Arizona State Senate said on Monday. Let's just take a break here, folks. Big surprise. The same folks who believe the election was stolen are the ones who believe the pandemic is a fraud or the vaccine will give you some kind of weird disease or whatever they believe. Here's the second paragraph. The president, Senator Karen Fan, said in a statement that three people on the five member team were, quote, quite sick, including Doug Logan, the chief executive of the Florida based company Cyborg Ninjas. That is in charge of the review. Man, going a week, like I said, and nothing has changed. This is so rich, folks. The report on a non-existent election fraud has been delayed by sickness caused by a very real COVID. So they deny the thing that's real and believe the thing that's fake. And guess what? These people, these folks could be running the country one more time if the congressional elections don't work out in 2022. In fact, they could be running the state of California if Larry Elder wins a special recall Gavin Newsom election. Yeah, I was kind of paying attention to that, D. Even though I wasn't reading any articles, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about how dumb Democrats are in general, but in the, particularly in the state of California, we'll be discussing this one in the coming days. I'll tell you, folks, you know what we need? 
We need a little more George Carlin. We got a great show today, everybody. We're kicking off Lefties Week on the Ben Jarofsky Show because uh, they were right about Afghanistan. Now, I know what you're saying, D. You're thinking, wait a minute. Isn't every week Lefties Week on the Ben Jarofsky Show? You read my mind. <laughs> yes, it's true. Pretty much every week is Lefties Week on the Ben Jarofsky Show. I just think it might be a good idea to allow lefties to have a say about this stuff, D. You know what I'm saying? Because they were right in 2021, in 2001, excuse me, in 2002, when uh, George W. Bush, remember him? Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Remember that guy? Mission accomplished. Strategery. Uh, strategery. Yeah, strategery. God, the guy's popularity was over 80%. It's mind-boggling. You know, people go, well, why can't we get back to the days of unity in the 2000s? Well, you know why? Because... He destroyed whatever good could be associated with unity by using that unity to lead us into two wars that were disastrous for absolutely everyone. The lefties told you. So anyway, in honor of the lefties, we're going to bring the lefties on. You know what I mean? The, all the regular stations, all the regular media outlets bring on the guys who were wrong about what went down in 2001, 2002, 2003 for the last 20 years. I'm going to bring on the guys who were right. I don't know. Just for, what the hell? Of course, just, just take a moment to pause and think that the guys who were right are relegated to a podcast hosted by a guy in an attic overlooking an alley in a porta potty Those are the breaks. <laughs> it's a weird country we live in, folks. <laughs> a very weird country. Anyway, Leonard Goodman from In These Times and the reader, my beloved Chicago reader, will be joining us. We'll be talking about the Obama legacy, the Obama Center. He wrote a very good article about that not too long ago in the reader. And uh, oh, Leonard Goodman is about ready to join us right now. So Leonard Goodman will be with us in about two seconds. And then Juanita Irizarry from Friends of the Park. And while I was gone, uh, man, that story broke about uh, Amazon and some lockers in the parks. Chicago, <laughs> Chicago, nothing has changed, ladies and gentlemen. When I used to do neighborhood news stories, always be writing stories about how the city of Chicago was trying to pimp out its parks by uh, selling them off to the highest bidder. Always writing stories like that. It just never changes in the city of Chicago. So Juanita Rosario will be talking about the Amazon and the lockers. Uh, but before we get to uh, Juanita, we'll bring on a good friend of the show, attorney Leonard Goodman, and who is, let's call him journalist Leonard Goodman. He's trying to be like Ben Jarofsky, writing uh, news articles for the Chicago Reader about the Obama Center. Leonard Goodman, welcome back to the show. Leonard, he tr he's trying it without the earbuds this time. Leonard, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. All right. Amazing technology, Leonard Sorry Goodman. Uh, no problem. Leonard Goodman is an outstanding attorney and an uh, outstanding journalist. He got a little st stumbling blocks when it comes to the whole uh, internet thing, but he'll he'll master that in no time. Yeah. Uh, so, Leonard, welcome back to the show. I was saying you're a good friend of the show, and uh, you come on to talk a lot about national politics and international politics. Uh, but you wrote an essay for the reader. And uh, I was uh, wanted to get you on a little earlier. I mentioned this, but I uh, went on vacation. So maybe a little old news, but it's definitely worth uh, taking a deep dive into it. You wrote a story for the reader uh, about the Obama Center, which is coming to Jackson Park. Finally, I think they're breaking grounds on it. Uh, and um, this is one of those things, Leonard, I'll let you uh, get it going. But this is one of those things where the city of Chicago uh, has decided to essentially use the parks as though not that they're parks, but they're vacant land uh, to be developed. 
uh, for buildings to be constructed on. And I, I, this thing that always has rubbed me the wrong way, uh, but I think the forces were far too great in this instance. So tell uh, folks, people a little update on what's going on uh, in Jackson Park uh, on the south side of Chicago. Well, the thanks for having me on, Ben. The, the Obama Center is, um, the Obama Foundation is building a, a private center in Jackson Park, as you said, on 20 acres of wooded parkland. Um, and as you pointed out, um, and others have pointed out, this sets up a dangerous precedent because, you know, as you know, we have pretty strong uh, real estate developers and they have a lot of clout in this town and they've been trying for 150 years to get their, their mitts on public parkland, um, especially our lakefront parks, which is really the jewel of the city. Um, and so now 20 acres of lakefront parkland is going to has been leased to the Obama Foundation for a total fee of ten dollars, uh, a 99 year lease. And, you know, one of the things that was pointed out um, and, and this really was not an essay. It was a, um, I attempted to be a journalist on this one and I interviewed the parties. I really came into it with knowing very little about the controversy. I am a North Sider. Um, I actually went to Jackson. I rode my bike down to Jackson Park a couple weeks ago and visited the site um, and saw where they're going to stage equipment. Um, but, you know, what some of the plaintiffs have described is really a bait and switch, that they sold this and marketed it as a presidential library, which would be a, a, attached to the National Archives. And it's something every president is entitled to. Um, but after they um, obtained the lease from Rahm Emanuel, uh, who, was, who was the mayor at the time, um, there was a, they changed course and decided to build a, a private center um, which has no link to the National Archives. I think they're going to put a museum in it with some artifacts. But really, this is a private center for the Obamas to use as they like. Um, they can charge fees. They can charge parking. Uh, they can sell souvenirs. Um, all that money goes to the Obama Foundation, not back to the city. Um, you know, one of the things that people, I think, are the most incensed about is, is they're going to chop down hundreds of trees um, most believe it's going to be about a thousand um, by the end, and this is mature trees. Some are, uh, many of them are over a hundred years old. The um, there's another concern that he's going to build a 20-story tower, um, half mile from the lake, and that it's going to be in the path of migrating birds. Um, they're concerned that a lot of birds are going to be killed crashing into this tower, and you know the. The other thing that I think most people don't realize, and I didn't know when I got um, involved in this, is that, is that there was an alternative site that really was the original site chosen by the, the studied. The um, Obama Foundation did a study along with the University of Chicago at the beginning, and they, the number one rated site was about a mile west, and it's some vacant land outside of uh, another beautiful park, Washington Park, on the other side of the University of Chicago. And the advantage to that site is it's on vacant land, uh, not parkland, but it's adjacent to the park. So in fact, it would expand Washington Park. Um, it would not privatize any parkland. It would not cut down um, any mature trees. There's transportation um, at the Washington Park site. It's right on the green line. The site that they've chosen on the lakefront, there's very little public transportation. There's no L. Uh, which means most people are going to have to be bused there or drive there. Um, there is going to close two major roads on the south side. They're closing Cornell Drive and the Midway Plaisance, Plaisance 
um, I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, they're going to widen Lakeshore Drive to accommodate the traffic and Stony Island Boulevard. Uh, many are concerned that there's going to be a traffic nightmare for many Southsiders. Um, the other thing, you know, that you know that was promised was bringing economic development to the South Side. And as one of the plaintiffs, a woman named Bren Sharif, who's lived for 50 years by Jackson Park, she says this is a pipe dream if you build it along Jackson Park. Um, there's no possibility of economic development there. You've got the museum, you've got uh, some townhouse project, and you've got two high schools. Um, and you've got the University of Chicago. There's no possibility for economic development, whereas the alternative site a mile west on Washington Park, there's Garfield Boulevard, there's commercial businesses that would all benefit from having the center there. So, you know, this was it's somewhat shocking, you know, and there's really the, the one thing that the Obama Foundation has done is really not allowed any debate. Because I don't think anyone disputes that this second site, a mile west, just west of the University of Chicago on another beautiful park, another Olmstead Park, um, is far superior in every respect. So there's no dispute about that, but they don't want to have the debate. For whatever reason, they've decided they want to be on the lake. They want their tower um, to be on the lakefront. And um, they have been very successful at just sort of uh, blowing past all critics, um, labeling them, you know, a bunch of you know, whatever, um, troublemakers or people that don't like Obama, which is really not the case. I think none of these people are opposed to having him build his um, center on the south side. It's just, why do it in Jackson Park? You know, the other concern is this park where, where they're going to build this 20-story tower is on a, a lagoon, which is connected to the rising waters of Lake Michigan. Um, there's a lot of concern how they're going to, what is the footing that's going to support this 20-story tower? Um, they're probably going to have to dig down 50 feet with concrete pilings in order to support this thing. Um, so it really is quite shocking. I did reach out to the Obama Foundation for comment. And Valerie Jarrett is the president of the Obama Foundation. She's been to my home before, so she really couldn't ignore me completely. Um, she's been to my home for a fundraiser. And I um, reached out to them. I was told she was unavailable for comment, but that I could send my um, questions in by email and that they would get me answers. I did. And I basically asked two questions. I said, why did you choose, why did you choose the Jackson Park site over the Washington Park site? And was the public allowed to weigh in on this decision? Um, and the response was, we are unable to accommodate your request at this time. That's the response <laughs> that I got from the Obama Foundation. So it's been radio silent. They just want to plow ahead. I was out in Jackson Park. I saw where they're bringing in the heavy equipment, and they just want to start cutting down trees and closing roads, um, and then it'll be too late. So um, that's basically the story in a nutshell. Well, it... Uh uh, that was a good synopsis. Uh, let her appreciate that. Uh, there was a lawsuit filed to try to prevent it. And uh, while I was on vacation, somehow or other, the information seeped through. Uh, I found it anyway that the uh, U.S. Supreme Court refused to hear the lawsuit. So it's pretty much dead. Well, no, that's launched. not correct, actually. Oh, correct um, me then. Mm -hmm. The lawsuit is pending. It's actually on appeal to the Seventh Circuit. What they had asked the Supreme Court to, to do was to um, grant an immediate injunction, basically an emergency injunction to stop construction while the case is pending. Um, and that was denied. So, you know, the case is pending. It's in the Seventh Circuit. It's on an expedited schedule. But I think what the Obamas want to do is, you know, get to start building. And then it's like yeah. the court will say, well, you make good points, but it's kind of late now, you know. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, that, uh, that's, uh, ultimately what I was getting at. Uh, all right. This goes back a little bit. Let me uh, give a little more historical perspective and get your thoughts. Uh, I wrote about this a lot for the reader. Oh gosh, Leonard, I'm losing track of time, but, uh, it was Ron was pres, uh, president. Ron was mayor, uh, and Obama was still the president. There were hearings, uh, and the Obamas went through um, a whole process, uh, Leonard. I don't know if, you know if you remember this. We were asking cities uh, throughout the country to petition for the right to win the, again, the presidential library is now a center. And I believe Hawaii threw in a, uh, an application. New York City threw in. They were going to have one uh, uh, on the Upper West Side, as I recall, near Columbia, because Barack Obama was, went to Columbia. Uh, Hawaii, of course, is uh, Barack Obama's home state. And uh, the West Side was uh, invited uh, to participate. The West Side participated as a site on the West Side that would gonna, uh, be uh, in conjunction with the UIC. I was openly rooting for the West Side site, wrote a couple columns about it in the reader, and people laughed at me at the time, Leonard. They go, the Obamas do not want their center on the West Side. And then it got into this whole West Side, South Side thing where, well, Obama's from the South Side. He's not from the West Side, to which I said, Obama's from Hawaii. He's not from any side. He just came to Chicago and used Chicago as his, as his stomping ground to launch his political career. And he got out as soon as he could. This is me speaking, not Leonard. Uh, so it seemed to me that this was just an old-fashioned uh I believe Leonard may have left the meeting. Uh, Dennis, I believe he may have left the meeting. So I'll just finish my thoughts while we try to get him back. It seemed to me that this was just an old-fashioned power play uh, in which uh, the Obamas uh, and uh, Mayor Rahm and the University of Chicago uh, that was involved with it uh, as well because it's just off the campus of the University of Chicago uh, decided that this is where they wanted to go uh, in Jackson Park. Uh, it was largely, I don't know, like a, a show in, in soliciting all of these uh, invitations from various uh, cities. Oh, there we are. Leonard, we got you back. Uh, and I was just uh, giving a synopsis about uh, the bidding process. And to me, uh, the bottom line, Leonard, it just seemed like, like a show that the Obamas, the University of Chicago, which is a very prominent player in all of this, and Rahm Emanuel, who was the mayor at the time, uh, had decided that they wanted to go uh, on the lakefront in Jackson Park because that was like the most what? Like that would give too, true honor to Barack Obama that putting it anywhere other than on the lakefront in a park would be uh, not giving Barack Obama the honor he deserved. And that was sort of the attitude. And it's like a done. It's a classic Chicago done deal. That's my interpretation of why they selected this site. That's my interpretation of why they've gone full steam ahead to keep it at this site, even though. As you pointed out, there's a perfectly good well, it's vacant land all over the city where you can have it. What's your thoughts about my theory? I imagine you're correct, Ben. Um, I don't really, you know, try not to speculate. I actually tried to do this piece, you know, as 
you know, open-minded. And I, I don't know what their reason was. I think you're right. I think they wanted to be on the lakefront. Um, I'm not sure with, when all that controversy that you were talking, all that um, discussion you were talking about, I think at that point it was just a presidential library connected to the National Archives. And if that's what they had gone with, um, they would not be building this 20-story tower because that would not comply. There's all sorts of rules if you want to build a presidential library. Um, and I think what they decided to do is, you know, they'd want to have to comply with all of those rules and regulations, and they decided to do their own thing, build a private center. Um, it almost reminds me of when Obama was running, um, and he decided not to take public funds because he wanted to, <laughs> didn't want to, he didn't want to have to abide by all of those restrictions. Um, and, you know, uh, hauled in, a lot of corporate money and you know that we know the rest of the story so um i think you're probably correct that they just wanted to be on the lake the, the other thing that struck me uh leonard from the uh, early days of this is that uh barack obama this is going to be such an obvious statement but i don't think we really consider all the ramification is so popular in chicago and so beloved uh in chicago that he's given a pass and I've been f more and more frustrated by it. Uh, Barack Obama, this is me speaking, not Leonard. Bar Barack Obama's endorsement of Rahm Emanuel, in my opinion, is largely, uh, is probably the primary reason he was able to defeat Emanuel uh, Chuy Garcia in 2015. Again, the love for Obama, the allegiance to Obama, the popularity of Obama. Uh, and similarly, Barack Obama's uh, popularity in the city of Chicago is explains why there is so little local resistance on the south side and i remember writing about it but south siders are telling me stay out of it it's none of your business you're a north sider you're a white guy uh stay out of our parks stay out of our business so i i i feel in some ways this is sort of a the uh, end result of this just enormous love that people in Chicago and allegiance people in Chicago have for Barack Obama. And so the end result is that a bunch of beautiful parkland, valuable parkland is going to get plowed over. Your thoughts on that? Um, I agree with you. I think there's a, a lot of affection for Obama. It certainly has a lot of clout um, in the city. A lot of people don't want to go against him. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things that I've heard and, you know, researching for this, this piece that I wrote is, you know, that, one of the plaintiffs told me, uh, Dr. Tom Mitchell, who's a landscape um, historian, a professor at U of C, a, a longtime Southsider, loves Barack Obama. And, you know, he, he he told me that his motivation for getting involved in the lawsuit, not to stop the center, but to move it, was to prevent the Obamas from making what they believe is a terrible decision. Um, and they think it's going to be a disaster. Um, I don't know how they're going to get... Um, you know, people are going to get to this center, how they're going to sustain it, you know, how it's going to, you know, is the, does it have proper footing, sound architectural footing in that park on the lakefront um, to build what they, they envision. So um, I think there is, I, I think there is a lot of affection, but there's also a lot of stubbornness, um, or maybe you could call it arrogance coming from the Obama people that they just really don't want to engage because isn't that what the Obamas, you know, were always all about community organizers, listening to people, 
Um, and here they've just shut out all all discussion. And it's not people trying to stop them from doing it. It's just people wanting to discuss, is this really the proper site? Um, do you really want to use 20 acres of wooded parkland and cut down all those trees? Um, or is there a better place to put this uh, center? So um, I agree that uh, certainly the affection for Barack Obama is, is uh, an important part of this story. I would just like to point out uh, that Barack Obama was a community organizer for about a year and a half or maybe two years. I've, I've lost track of how many years he was actually a community organizer. And most of his life, he's either been a law school student, a lawyer, practicing attorney, a law professor, a state senator, a U.S. senator, a president of the United States, and now a international celebrity. So the, the community organization part of Rahm Emanuel's life is very tiny. I just always like to point that Barack out. Barack Obama. Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, I just want to point that out, uh, that it's a very small portion of Barack Obama's life. Um, And uh, I also like to point out something, uh, Leonard, and shift gears a little bit. Uh, I was teasingly saying it's lefty week on the Ben Jarofsky show uh, because, um, well, it's always lefty week on the Ben Jarofsky show. But in this particular case, uh, with the United States pulling out of Afghanistan, the Taliban back in charge, uh, it just seems that everything that lefties said would happen in Afghanistan uh, with that invasion has happened. Similarly, with the invasion of Iraq and Barack Obama uh, was elected president to a large degree, Leonard, because he opposed the Iraqi invasion. If you recall, that helped him in Iowa and Iowa was the key state for him when he won Iowa. Uh, that really gave momentum to his national campaign. He went on to win the nomination in 2008, but he kept us in Afghanistan. It didn't seem to learn uh, any of the lessons. And uh, so here we are in 2021 and his vice president is pulling us has pulled out uh, the troops the final troops uh in afghanistan what are your thoughts leonard i know you uh were very much opposed uh, to the war in uh iraq i'm not quite sure what your opinions were about the invasion of afghanistan in 20 and 2001 what's your thoughts now uh looking back at the whole history i mean i was opposed to both i never really thought it made any sense um you know, to, to, to invade and occupy another country. Um, and if you really wanted to invade a country that, that was connected or it had something to do with 9-11, um, I don't think Afghanistan would have been the first choice. I think it was a convenient um, target and a place that had been sort of, you know, uh, people had their sights on remaking the Middle East. But um, back to what's happening now, I mean, I think, you know, Joe Biden has done something that Barack Obama couldn't do, you know, and I think... The one thing we've seen is maybe Biden's experience and his lifelong experience in Washington has paid off a little bit in this case because he understood the bullshit that these generals um, will lay on you to keep these wars going year after year on behalf of their friends in the in the contractor um, community, which they're going to hopefully go work for uh, when they get when they get done with their service. Um, and I think um, Biden saw that. Um, years and he warned about it um, and he warned Obama about it and Obama got played by these generals and ended up surging troops into Afghanistan and I think you know one of the things we learned from the Afghanistan papers uh, which came out what, 
seven years ago or something, um, was that we were lied to continually during the, this war. We were lied that the surge was working. That was a lie. They knew it was a lie. Um, they weren't making progress. Um, they just wanted to keep this gravy train going and keep the money flowing. I think we spent $2 trillion, much of it, going to these major contractors. Um, and so I do give Biden, I'm not a huge fan of Joe Biden, but I do give him credit for uh, sticking to his guns and doing the right thing in this case and something that Obama failed to do, as you point out. By the way, Sarah Lazar from these times will be joining us on Thursday to take the deep dive on the Afghanistan papers. Just want to do that little tease. Uh, she wrote an excellent article uh, that ran this weekend, or I saw it this weekend, uh, in, in in these times on that very subject, the Afghanistan papers and the generals who went from uh, leading us into war to promoting themselves and the war on TV, uh, and now they're criticizing Joe Biden. Leonard, you said something. I wrote it down. I want you uh, to go into a little more detail. Joe Biden has done something Barack Obama couldn't do. Go into a little more detail about why Barack Obama, in your opinion, could not do what Biden just did. Well, I mean, I know that and I have you know, read many uh, reports about Biden. This is one thing that Biden, I think, had warned Obama about. You know, you better be careful with these generals. They're going to lie to your face um, and they're going to want to keep these wars going. And they're, you know, they're in the tank for these contractor communities um, and, and keeping these forever wars going. Um, and Obama, you know, wasn't able to do it. And he got played and he ended up surging troops into Afghanistan. And as we learned, you know, we were told at the time, oh, the surge is working, the surge is working. Well, it wasn't working. We learned from the Af Afghanistan papers that it was all, all a big lie. And so, you know, um, I think Biden had an agenda. Maybe he wanted to one up uh, Barack Obama. I don't know. Um, but he um, he stuck to his guns. And I know um, in this case, he was warned by the general, oh, we got to leave troops there. We can't abide by this timeline that Trump set. We, you know, we, we um, this deal with the Taliban. We've got to um, we've got to revoke it. And uh, Biden did stick to his guns. And I think he did the right thing because, you know, it's chaos. Yes. And it's very sad. But what um, whenever we pull, whenever we end one of these forever wars after 20 years, it's going to be chaos. And I think that, um, you know, I applaud Biden for for doing it. And it's going to be messy. If we waited another two months, it still would have been messy. So. You know, I'm going to give you yeah. something I struggle with and get your thoughts on this. Uh, your uh, your friend Jimmy Dore was on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, comedian Jimmy Dore, uh, who's very critical of Obama, very critical of uh, Democrats, liberal Democrats, uh, and uh, what's what exists of the left, of the Democratic left. And we went at it a little bit. Uh, I was feeling I very self I yeah, I was feeling very self righteous. Now I'm 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 a little weakened. Uh, made me a little different uh, interview if I did it today, uh, because I despise Donald Trump. Everybody knows it. I despise the politics of Donald Trump, and I will fight those politics as long as I'm alive. And yet, it's hard for me to how do I put this, Leonard? To to be so righteous about Donald Trump's lying when I see all the lying 
by the party that I routinely support year after year after year. And Jimmy was making fun of me and people like me for just continually supporting Democrats, liberal Democrats, uh, because they do the same thing Trump does. He was saying he was coming back at me. And when I reflect on this 20 years of wars in the Middle East and all the lies that you just pointed out that are routinely shoved down our throat, it's I, I'm, I'm like having this existential moment of doubt. Like, why? How can I just so criticize Bar- Trump for lying when my beloved Democrats lie all the time? So that's where I am right now. I still fight like hell against Donald Trump. What's your general thoughts about Republican lying and Democratic lying? You know, both parties, you know, get their marching orders and, and have major donors in the defense industry, in the fossil fuel industry. Now, the Republicans are a little heavier in the fossil fuel industry, but the Democrats have become, you know, the Democrats used to be an anti-war party. You know, the only time the Democrats applauded Trump um, and their friends in the media was when he was bombing Syria um, or killing uh, the Iraqi, uh, um, the no, the, the Iranian general, Suleiman. Um, that's the only time that they applauded him. Um, they're no longer the anti-war party. They're completely in the tank for the defense contractors. They take, you know, Adam Schiff takes as much money from Raytheon and General Dynamics and all of, uh, all of these defense firms, you know, and that's really my, my problem, the reason why I've walked away from the Democratic Party. Um, I'm an anti-war person. I believe in single-payer health care. Um, and you're not going to get that. You're, you're limited by what the donors will allow. And the donors won't allow. And, and this is one of the things that Biden's going to have to be careful of, because now we, we end this gravy train in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, the contractors are going to be looking for another war um, to keep the budgets. If you want to spend a trillion dollars a year of our taxpayer dollars on war and defense budget, plus, you know, all these these slush funds that they that the Pentagon has, um, you need conflict zones. Um, and you need big enemies uh, so that you can sell these big tip- ticket items like nuclear submarines and the F-35 boondoggle, this this airplane that doesn't fly. Um, you need scary enemies. And um, so, you know, that's 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 why I've walked away from the Democratic Party. Um, I, I agree with you locally. I'm, you know, I, I think it's a little bit different. We've had this discussion before, but on the national stage, um, they're so compromised that there just really isn't a whole lot of difference. Um, maybe on a couple issues, there is. But, um, you know, when it comes to the things that really, you know, major change in this country, like ending some of these wars, taking, bringing some of this money back home, think of what we could have done with $2 trillion um, that we've spent, wasted in Afghanistan. Think what we could have done with that money. Um, national health care system, people could have free college. Um, the homeless people could all have a place to live. You know, um, it's it is sad, and, and so I think you know, I tend to I tend to side with a little with Jimmy Dore during that discussion, and I love you, Ben. Um, so yeah, I, well, give me another week; I'll be back at it with Jimmy Dore. But right now, I'm saying, you know, Jimmy Dore had a point. Uh, 
He had a point. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. All right, Leonard, I want to thank you very much and welcome to the world of quote unquote objective journalism, which is kind of funny. I smiled when you said you were going to, before the show, you told me you're going to be a little more objective in this. Uh, and it's so funny when you try to do objective journalism, uh, the people in the power just slam the door in your face. So welcome to my world. You yeah. know, you got more access. The funny thing, you got more response than I would have gotten if I had done that story. They wouldn't even bothered. Uh, the Barack Obama people <laughs> to say what your questions are. They just ignore me. So yeah. at least you got the courtesy, and I have that in quotes, of <laughs> uh, well, like pretending they care about your question. Right. Well, journalism is hard. I learned that, Ben. I'll leave it to leave it to you folks. But <laughs> well, I appreciate this. you having me on. A lot All of right. That's that's Leonard Goodman. Uh, thank you very much, Leonard. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Juanina Irizarry will be with us from Friends of the Parks, and we're going to be talking about how they're renting out the parks to Amazon. Unbelievable, the stuff that happens in the city of Chicago. Stick around, everybody, before I bring Juanita back, just to finish up a little bit on uh, my thoughts with um, uh, Leonard Goodman uh, on two fronts. One, the Obama Center. I, 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 am, I am guilty. I realize this. Uh, my, uh, my revulsion at Donald Trump has uh, blinded me in many ways uh, to what the Democratic Party is up to. I recognize that. I realize that. I feel that the existential threat of Donald Trump on so many different levels uh, is far more dangerous than with the sort of the status quo that the Democrats uh, represent. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm very much guilty of of kind of sometimes stomaching uh, Democratic uh lying and warring because I think the Republicans are so much worse. But uh, it really came home uh, with, when the, in the last weeks with all the stories coming up Afghanistan about uh, how the Democrats and Republicans were complicit on that war. All right, Juanita Irizarry from Friends of the Parks is back with us. Juanita, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm uh, back from a, a much-deserved and needed uh, vacation. I'm very mellow and cool. Uh, and um, to see mellow and cool with you. Yes, <laughs> mellow and cool and calm and relaxed. And one of the things that penetrated my dome uh, mm -hmm. that I had put around myself to ward off all outside news was an email I got from uh, an old friend of ours, Mike Novak, who's been on the show many times, uh, talk about how you were on his show and talk about Amazon in the park. And as soon as I saw that, I go, I got to have Juanita on to talk about this. Folks, yep. I, I have been belly aching on this subject uh, about how the powers that be in this city use our parks. We just talked about this with Leonard Goodman and the Obama Center, Obama Center, but they use our parks like they're vacant land. It's yep. as though they view the parks as vacant land that are potential sites for development deals, uh, advertising signs, whatever they can I, and I never even know why they're doing it. They always have some cockamamie reason, which the PR people come out with some utter ludicrous spin that we're supposed to believe. Like somehow it's making money for the city. So they call it public amenity this time. Woo. Public amenity. All right. So Juanita, folks may have missed this one. Uh, yeah. uh, why don't you give us a little uh, take on what the Park District Board has decided to do regarding Amazon and lockers? Uh, well, in the public parks. Go it's ahead. A, it's actually interesting that you ask that question that way because the Park District Board was not even involved in this decision. Um, this was a, a small contract that does not uh, require Park District Board of Commissioners review. 
And that came out as we started trying to understand what happened here. Um, Friends of the Park staff, we kind of scratched our heads together last Monday at our staff meeting to say, wait a minute, did we miss something? Because we attend all the Park District board meetings and we would have imagined this would have been a contract that would have come up for review. And we were like, geez, how did this sneak by? And in talking actually to Greg Hines of Crane Chicago Business, he was also asking that question and uh, figured out actually before me that um, it did not have a contract because of the size. And so he talked to uh, Avis Lavelle, the board chair of the park district, the president of the board, and she said she didn't even know about it. Um, So staff did this one with absolutely no review at the board level. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Let's just pause. It. By the way, a little shout out to my old pal, Greg Hines, Craig <laughs> Chicago Business. Uh, he's a bulldog reporter. And uh, if Greg Hines, who uh, loves development deals, is yep. critical of this, then you know it's a freaking a scam and a sham. So, Greg, my old poker paying pal, uh, good job unearthing this one. All right. Let's just pause. Think about this. Yep. Now, Chicago is a clout city. Avis Lavelle, who is president of the board, is a very clouded person in the city of Chicago. Folks, if you don't know her, uh, she used to be a a PR advisor to Mayor Daly. She's been around a long time uh, in the city of Chicago. She's got a lot of clout, a lot of juice. If she didn't know about it. Yep. Who did? Have you been able to figure out who was the source that cut this deal with Jeff uh, Bezos uh, and Amazon? Go ahead. Well, what we hear is that the park district learned that Amazon was paying other folks to be in their space. So park district went out to get this contract so they could get some of that revenue too. I don't know who directed that. I don't know who first saw that that was an opportunity that they thought maybe they should pursue, but it was a staff level effort of the park district starting this it wasn't even mr bezos coming in and saying hey please let me put my box in your park district man that is the most pathetic thing i've heard all day i was (laughs) calm and cool and now i'm like getting fired up again (laughs) sorry to mess that up for you that is unbelievable and by the way, uh, a great column in today's tribute by Rex Hupke about this. Very funny. Uh, mm-hmm. He broke down the numbers. My, I'm doing enough of memory. It's about $150,000 a year. Do I have that? Am I, is yeah. my memory correct? Yeah, yeah Go you're ahead. in the right range. Yeah. So what exactly do we, what do we get and what does Amazon get uh, out of this deal? Well, uh, the taxpayers have to make sure that the uh, snow is shoveled in front of the Amazon boxes so that people can come pick up their packages. That's what we get out of this deal. Hmm? Well, we get the $150,000 a year. Uh, But we got to deduct that the cost of shoveling the snow. We have to yeah. shovel snow in parks. So Amazon. So what is it's it? Am- contract. Yes. <laughs> so Amazon uh, gets these lockers. Explain these. Uh, what the lockers are that Amazon gets, Juanita. Well, I can hardly explain it because I personally don't use Amazon. So I didn't even know there was such thing as an Amazon locker until all this happened. But because I haven't hardly left my house in the last year, but um, until just recently. Um and so you order your package and it gets assigned to a particular locker in a particular place. I don't even know exactly how it works because, like I said, I don't use Amazon. But then you can go pick it up in that location, right? I, I don't know if you can also, like, 
return packages that way. I'm not sure how it works. Um, but some of these lockers are inside park district buildings. So that would mean you have to do it within the hours that the park district building is open. Some of them are just on the grass outside the building which presumably means that you can't do it after the parks close at 11 p.m. or if you happen to be in a park that closes earlier, which I also find to be a problem because I can just see a black man with a hoodie walking over to pick up his package at an Amazon box late at night and the cops pick him up because he's on park district land when he shouldn't be and who knows where it goes from there, right? Um, others have suggested concern that people will get robbed um, and so we're putting people in danger in a number of ways, it seems. All right. Uh, and uh, so this is a contract that was signed and the city gets about $150,000 to allow Amazon to put the lockers uh, in our parks. And uh, is... Is there anybody at the park district defending it? If the park district's official position is we, the park district board, which is the people who are supposedly overseeing our parks, mm-hmm. appointed by the mayor, I like to point get to that. Yeah. Are are they saying? Are they expressing outrage? First, they express ignorance, so they don't yeah. know what's going yeah. on in the parks that they supposedly run. So yeah. that's that that's an interesting take, Juanita. I've been following Chicago politics a long time. I've never heard ignorance. As, def- as a defense, oh, we didn't know. Oh, isn't that something? We didn't know. We knew. We know. It, we, we didn't know what was going on in the parks. So having now they know. Greg Hines told them. Okay. Uh, thank you, Greg. So what's their official position now that they know? So I have not heard any response that reflects specifically the voice of the board of commissioners. What we have heard is a public spokesperson for the park district say, hey, we think this is a nice public amenity for Chicagoans, and we think that's part of our job, right? Um, But we have seen now a little bit of, oops, we're going to slow down the installment of other boxes that were slated to be installed that have not yet been installed in order to do some more review. So that is what we have heard. Well, let me just uh, uh, liken it to uh, something else that is not park related, related, but it's public uh, space. And it has to do with the Trump sign and Trump Tower, which really gets to me. Yep. All right. And I've, I've written columns about this from time to time. Donald Trump uh, put the sign, this huge sign on his tower where you can see it from virtually anywhere in downtown Chicago. And uh, when it was all said and done, when it was, when it was done, Rahm Emanuel, who was the mayor at the time, said, I can't stand it. It looks ugly, but there's nothing I could do about it. And that is such a typical attitude to have in the city of Chicago. Like they're helpless and defenseless. What has our mayor said, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, about the Amazon lockers in her parks? She is our mayor. Well, I got to say, I don't know that I am aware of a specific comment from her about the Amazon lockers. I will say that I've heard that she's now distancing herself a bit from Mike Kelly in the Park District as it relates to the lifeguard scandal and saying, I'm not in charge of the parks. So, you know, very interesting how, you know, she is the person who appoints the Park District superintendent and made the specific choice to keep Mike Kelly in place. They do all kinds of things hand in hand, but now all of a sudden she doesn't have anything to do with the parks. 
All right. So we're going to get to the lifeguards and Mike Kelly uh, in a little bit. I'm not quite finished uh, with the Amazon lockers. So now, now that the Park District Board's official position is they know about the lockers, as opposed yeah. to their original position, which they didn't know about the lockers. Yeah. And now that their official position is that the knowledge of the lockers goes beyond some unnamed bureaucrats in uh, the Park District bureaucracy who supposedly had enough power to uh, put uh, cut this deal with Amazon. Mm-hmm. My question to you is this. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, oh, it's a tough question, Juanita. <laughs> do you believe the park district leaders, when they say they did not know about this deal until Greg Hines told them about it. And one more time, thank you, Greg Hines, for informing our park district about what's going on in the parks they're supposedly managing. Do you believe that uh, their assertions that they didn't know about this contract? Or do you think this is a local version of what Ronald Reagan used to call plausible deniability, where you set up a system where the people in charge can say, oh, they have a plausible explanation for why they allegedly do not know. Yeah. Go ahead, Juanita. I'm going to divide my answer and say that I feel like Avis Lavelle probably knows everything that's going on. Um, I, I do think, however, that the other board members, some of them at least, have often been just trotted in an hour or so before the Park District board meetings and told how they're supposed to vote on whatever they're supposed to vote on and often don't know much about a lot of the issues related to the Park District. So it is possible that others of them were not aware um, because part of the way this has functioned is to really just have them be rubber stamp folks that don't even really know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That, uh, by the way, I I think I agree with everything you just said. And that gets me to this question. We'll we'll go further with the lifeguards, but this relates as well. Uh, We're finally, after like 10 years of community fights on this, uh, going to have an elected school board. Oh, what a struggle. And to read the editorials from the Sun-Times of Tribune, you think that the world was going to come to an end because we're going to have democracy. Uh, I can't see any evidence going to the parks where an appointed park district has helped, appointed park district board has helped the actual parks. Mm-hmm. Now, I've covered park district issues for a long time. I, ha- I don't do it as much as I used to because I moved into other things. But mm-hmm. I have never seen, I cannot say, that the public has been well served uh, by having appointed uh, park uh, district board. It seems to me more often than not, it's like the parks are used as a way to dole out contracts to well-connected people uh, or use, as I said, as like the land is vacant and let's fill it up with stuff. Won't even get into the Olympic scam uh, that we survived uh, from about 10 years ago where they're going to turn the parks into an Olympics uh, village and, excuse me, uh, build stadiums in the park, et cetera. So what's your thoughts now? Should we uh, make the park district board an elected body like we've done with the school board? Yeah, so I would first of all say that Friends of the Parks does not have an official position on this at the moment. Um, it's something the organization has talked about over the years and it's not revisited recently. And I will also say that I observe a few board members during the time that I've been watching this board very closely, who I think do sometimes ask some good questions on behalf of the public um, and maybe do some good. 
But I will say that there's nothing. (laughs) In fact, I had a conversation with someone just the other day about something else where we were talking about elected boards versus non-elected boards. And this person suggested that appointed boards were to make sure that you had qualified people. And I'm like, that is so much bologna sausage because the people that sit on the park district board often have very little knowledge of parks you know, maybe they're lawyers, you know, maybe they make big donations to the Art Institute. I don't know how that relates to being, you know, qualified to be on, uh, an overseer of the park district, right? So I do not believe that being appointed is about making sure people are qualified. We just as easily could get some qualified people to be overseers of the park district by electing them um, as what we're seeing now with an appointed system. You know what's funny? Uh, that is such a classic Chicago response. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know who you. I don't care. I, I mean, I care who. I it can't was told say. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, it's such a classic Chicago response. Yep. And it's the same essential response that you'll read uh, from the the Sun Times and the Tribune in one of their editorials about uh, the quality. Quality matters, and so the board. In the case of the school board, we need people from the financial community uh, because of their knowledge of business will help us uh, balance the books. And I think of all the crummy borrowing schemes and scams right. that all these qualified bankers and finance people made down through the years with the Board of Education, where we lost a lot of money in fees to banks that could have gone to kids and the TIF scam, where they take money from the schools to pay for TIF deals. I'm like, when has a quality, <laughs> well-educated uh, person sitting on a board ever helped us i think the more essential attribute is somebody who is a critical thinker and is not afraid to defy the powers that be has something resembling a backbone and i don't know if you can get a backbone at any university where you get a degree in finance uh or law your thoughts on this juanita no absolutely and you know as i said over the years as i've observed folks on the park district board, you know, there's some people with a lot of technical high qualifications who also ask good questions and made the park district stop and rethink something. And there's a lot of people with qualifications that just do whatever they're told. And there's a lot of other people with maybe less qualifications who ask really good questions and say, what's up with this? How come we didn't hear about this before we're being asked to vote? No, let's go back and talk about it privately or let's put this off to the next agenda. There's not a direct relationship between what some people like to consider, you know, great qualifications um, and effectiveness as a board member on behalf of the public. Not to mention qualifications might look like I grew up in the park system and I'm a Latino kid from Humboldt Park and I know something about this park because I lived it as opposed to what degree I have or how much money I have. Yeah. Or what uh, who my friend is, uh, my powerful friend. All right. Let's move on. I'm trying to figure one person with qualifications uh, that spoke out on uh, the lifeguard scandal. Danny Milopoulos from WBEZ was on the show talking about this a couple of weeks ago. He's broken on many of the stories. Uh, and uh, finally, all those qualified people 
at the park district looked the other way when there was evidence of sexual harassment going on a culture like this frat boy culture uh at our, with our lifeguards uh in the city of chicago all those qualified people all those really smart super brainy uh, people with their great degrees didn't you couldn't find one person with the guts yep. to to stand up on behalf of the women lifeguards who have been harassed. Uh, Juanita, why don't you summarize where we're at right now with this scandal? Yeah, well, um, you know, we heard um, a week or so ago um, that at a press conference that Mike Kelly did that, you know, there's been this ongoing investigation for about 18 months, which seems like a very long time, by the way. Um, and that Mike Kelly was had said he was going to, you know, turn over uh, immediate a complaint that he got from um, a woman to the inspector general, which he did not do. He turned it over to a high-level staff person who turned it over also to someone who apparently is related to somebody under investigation in this scandal. Um, and now, a week later, we've heard from the deputy IG and the deputy inspector general, who was one of the people thrown out of the park district, walked out uh, with security, I guess, um, by Mike Kelly, who was, you know, I think very pleased with himself that they had dismissed 40 some people um it, it turns out one of those people was a deputy ig who now claims that he is being thrown out because he was actually investigating um and they got him out of the way so that he would not fully uncover or be able to continue the depth of the investigation that he was doing um which unfortunately does not surprise me so i can say you, more but jump in <laughs> so what do you what do you think was going on here uh, I asked this to Dan Mialopoulos uh, when he was on the show, and I've been trying to parse this out. So uh, there was a complaint uh, by a lifeguard about the frat boy behavior, sexual harassment going on on a routine basement basis. Yes. Uh, and uh, was sent directly to Mike Kelly. He assured that person he was going to turn it over to the IG. He didn't. He for six weeks uh, until Mayor Lori Lightfoot's office got a similar complaint from a yep. different lifeguard, and then directed that complaint to Kelly. At which point he turned it over. Why the delay? What's going on here? Is somebody being protected? Uh, is he afraid of of offending yeah. powerful people and interests at the park district what's going on here in your humble opinion Monita? i mean i can only speculate that that's it's you know it's cover-up it's 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 making sure certain people don't get in trouble and i gotta say from my time in friends of the parks this is not the first time that i've been aware of things that people are saying that they're trying to cover up you know friends of the parks sometimes get some very secret communications from staff the friends of the parks at various levels about things that are going on under there that look like they're trying to shove things under a rug or give people a job because of political connection or keep someone safe because of a political connection, just move them around to another department, etc. So, you know, one can only imagine, but it sure seems like they weren't in a rush to find out what was happening or to make sure that it was done in a way that was completely above board. Um, I have other concerns now that I've heard Deputy IG speak out um, that why the deputy and why not the inspector general herself, right? Because I do have a good amount of experience with the previous IG who I talk to often enough, um, whereas this current IG I have not had any involvement with. So I really don't know what to say and didn't have a thought until I started to think about what's going on that it took the deputy IG to speak out 
and the inspector general herself is not saying, wait a minute, there's a problem here. So is she in on it? You know, and then from what I hear, there are aldermen who've been telling the mayor that the city's IG should get in on this. And the mayor said no. But why is it that the aldermen think that a different inspector general needs to look at what's going on here? So what are the questions being raised about even the independence and objectivity of the park district's inspector general? Mm -hmm. And let's just uh, think about this for a moment. We, so here we have a park district board that was not aware that uh, a contract had been uh, signed with Amazon, giving Amazon the right to stick these blockers in parks. Uh, and now we have a park district board that is apparently unaware that uh, this the, the investigation into sexual harassment and the lifeguard stance was stalled for six weeks uh, while Mike Kelly did nothing about it. Uh, so there's a lot of cluelessness, uh, public cluelessness at the park district. I get the feeling that the mayor of the city of Chicago has not really been paying attention to the park districts. And that's giving her the best possible spin I can on this story. Uh, now there's really hard for her not to pay attention. Yeah. So what does that mean in your that's humble generous. opinion? That's yes. generous. <laughs> yes. I'm being generous as yes. I can. She's being generous because uh, um, she's been told. She's been told um, that she needs to be watching these things. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know why this is happening. Let me just add that it's not, it is sexual harassment, which is a really big problem. Um, it's also that some of these people that have been accused were drunk on the job or drinking on the job, maybe doing drugs on the job. And by the way, we've gone through an entire summer season at the lake with these people employed still. Right. So now the public has also been lifeguarded by people who maybe were drinking on the job. Um, so why have we all been put in these unsafe conditions uh, with that continuing to go on? And our mayor just letting this go on and on? I don't understand. I don't understand it. So what is what does this mean for the future of Mike Kelly, uh, who was the park district superintendent that Lori Lightfoot inherited from previous administrations and has uh, kept on uh, as head of the park? What does this mean uh, for his future? Well, I think there are a lot of questions about that. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that this is not done unfolding. Um, personally, each day I'm hearing more stories of women that whose stories we haven't heard yet. Um, so I, I think it's pretty ugly. And um, I, but I'm I, 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 I thought Mike Kelly would have been gone long before now. So I'm surprised that he's here. So <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, Mike Kelly apparently has a lot of clout. Uh, in the city of Chicago that he has survived so long. And let me tell you, I, I've been paying attention to the park districts uh, in the last year. I got to tell you, uh, between the pandemic uh, and the, the violence uh, and the unrest in Chicago, uh, I just, and, and the confrontations, constant confrontations uh, with the, the teachers union and uh, the schools, uh, Juanita, I've not been paying attention to the parks yeah. and just it's it's just all of a sudden I'm starting to realize <laughs> when you don't pay attention in the city of Chicago, only bad things happen because yeah. you can't rely on the people that run the parks to do the right things. This is my been my opinion uh, for years now, and it sure seems like it's bearing out what 
uh, is the general relationship between Friends of the Parks uh, and the folks who run the parks these days, Juanita? Are they giving you, do they uh, share information with you? Do they treat you respectfully or do they just ignore you? Go ahead. Uh, It's all over the map. Um, We certainly have people that we work with well on specific projects. Um, Folks where we have to have regular communication or when we look for information, we can find information. Um, Sometimes we have to parse out which parts of it we think are actually true. Um, You know, we don't have much of a conversation loop with Mike Kelly these days. Um, Our relationship with him was actually uh, still something that happened sometimes under the Lucas fight, but after the State of the Parks report where we called out the inequities across the park district, that relationship has never recovered. Um, And we do get park district folks sending us things very undercover or asking to meet with us in out-of-the-way places where they will not be seen as they express their concerns about the park district they work for. Uh, And uh, finally, there's uh, the Obama Center. Uh, You've been on the show talking about this in the past. We just had a conversation with Leonard Goodman uh, uh, about uh, the Obama Center. Uh, I know Friends of Park did not, uh, was not a party to the lawsuit against uh, the Obama Center. What's your general opinion about uh, the Obama Center coming to Jackson Park? Well, we always wished it would be built on vacant land across the street from Washington Park. Um, So we always thought this was a foregone conclusion um, and wished that the Obama Center and the city and the park district would work uh, with the city uh, on a win-win-win, right? Which again, we thought Washington Park across street from Washington Park would have been the real win-win-win for the city. But we always thought that Obama would get what he wanted, whatever it was that he wanted, right? So our approach to it has been to work with the Obama Foundation behind the scenes, sometimes honestly allow them to beat us up and punch us and make us look like we're protect our parks when we're not. Um, But meanwhile, having conversations with them about how we can increase parkland and improve parkland, even though we wish the location were different. Overall, we believe it's wonderful that Barack Obama is building his presidential center in Chicago. Um, We've actually disagreed with you that we thought it was cool on the south side, um, as opposed to over by UIC. Um, We just think it could have been done in a better way. We think a lot of pain and damage has been done to Chicago in terms of lack of transparency and integrity and honesty. And I wished for more from Barack Obama, who at one time was very beloved to me as well. So um, now they've broken ground, they're moving forward. Um, We were part of a meeting last week um, that was an invite only meeting to some of the stakeholders that the city has been updating. And we are happy to hear that one of the things we've been advocating for is happening. You know, we've been really poking them to say, look, if you're putting your building where the track and field is, and therefore the track and field is moving to a place where a baseball field is, what are you doing about the baseball field? And finally, we have heard that they have money to refurbish existing baseball fields north of Hayes, where they are also putting in a new baseball field. Yes. So that's what we're doing about this is continuing to poke them about not losing amenities in the process, about replacing those amenities that are being displaced. And as they have opportunity to keep looking at 
new pocket parks and other green space in the communities around Jackson Park, around the Midway Plaisance, and around Washington Park. That's what we're promoting. And they did just announce that they're going to do a framework planning process for Washington Park, which we hope then leads to actual improvements in Washington Park, where there are buildings that are crumbling and green space that has not been as well taken care of. So we will be excited to see that move forward. I uh, have to say, I do not blame uh, friends of the park at all. This is me speaking, uh, not Juanita, this is Ben speaking. I do not blame you uh, for staying out of that lawsuit, and I'll tell you why. I watched what happened when you took the strong stand against uh, the George Lucas Museum, and I saw the games that were played. uh, And uh, it was not Father Flager's finest moment, let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Same thing happened with the stand uh, friends of the park took against sticking the Children's Museum. Uh, in um, uh, Grant Park, which was a fight that preceded you long before you were in charge of Friends of the Park. And uh, so I see the kind of politics that happens in this city whenever uh, Friends of the Park takes a strong stance to preserve parks and how somehow or other it's always turned into this issue of white Northsiders trying to deprive black people and stuff. And it's so funny, the same powers that be that are going to benefit from these deals are the same ones who consistently, okay, consistently champion the siphoning off of millions and millions of TIF dollars, property tax dollars every year from poor black communities. So it's such a cynical game that's played. I do not blame you for for avoiding a fight with the Obamas who are beloved in the city of Chicago. Uh, Mm -hmm. I cannot blame you at all, Juanita Irizarry, for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if we've completely avoided a fight, you know, um, but we have we know that we've been in rooms where our opinion was asked and it was taken to the Obamas. And in some cases, we've actually gotten what we've asked for, um, you know, which is not the whole enchilada, as they say. But, you know, the best we've been able to do, I think, in this situation. All right, very good. But it's been a rough couple of weeks for the Chicago uh, Park District between their not knowing, which I don't believe, not knowing that they cut a deal with Amazon to stick lockers in the park, to looking the other way uh, at allegations of drunken frat boy behavior uh, uh, on the beaches with lifeguards, uh, and uh, to just turning over the park to the Obamas for uh, the development uh, of the Obama Center. It's not been a rough week. I'm hoping, or, uh, it's not been a rough couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. Juanita, I'm hoping that there's a little more vigilance from the powers that be in this city about what's going on at the park. Are you hopeful in any way? Uh, or do you feel I'm naive uh, to even have that optimistic view? No, I feel like maybe something's finally going to break, you know, and there's going to have to be some changes. But that's just me wondering, sitting here thinking. I don't really know these things. Come on, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Now you learn. Now you, you didn't know about the parks before. It's like when Mayor Ron came in, he, he thought there were only three high schools in the city of Chicago, so he had to learn about the public schools. <laughs> right. Apparently, Mayor Lori Lightfoot was not a big student of the park system, and now she's going to have to learn about the park. If you want to have mayoral control of the park system, you have to pay attention to it. I think that would be. But let me just say one more thing. I wouldn't be surprised if there's conversations going on right now about who in the system is going to replace Mike Kelly. Um, and or who of the people that wanted the job back when Lori Lightfoot first was uh, won as mayor and people thought that Mike Kelly would not retain his position. There were a bunch of people who were kind of trying to be in line for that position. So 
I'm pretty darn sure those conversations are happening right now. I guess it's better late than never. All right, Juanita, uh, thank you very much for taking the time uh, to come on and explain these things. It's always a blast talking with you. All right. Thanks a lot. See you next time. See you next time. That's a great Juanita Irizarry from Friends of the Park. Also want to thank Leonard Goodman uh, from, well, the reader in these times. Good friend of the show for coming and talking about the Obama Center in Afghanistan. Uh, it's good to be back. And so as uh, I will say, as I always do, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all in Illinois. He's going to do wonders by smoothing out all those little stumbling blocks we had as we got started. Uh, and as Juanita and uh, Leonard Goodman will tell you back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader